week's episode, a listener came forward with her harrowing account of being stalked and has allowed me to share it with you. Host Cambo, grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast. So there was quite a bit of feedback from last week's episode on stalking. If you are new and haven't listened to last week's episode, it's not essential, but you may find some information I read out quite insightful. So if you want, just go back to last week's one before you listen to this. But before I get into this week's episode, just another reminder about the Australian Podcast Awards. There are thousands of us on the island now, and for us to win the popular vote this year, we need everyone to vote. So far, we're just on 450, nearly 500 maybe votes, but the leaders have come out of nowhere and they have over a 1,000 votes, or one of them has, the other's nearly there. We are in a strong third place, though, so please, if you haven't already, go to australianpodcastawards.com and register to vote. It just takes a couple of minutes. You have 10 votes to spread around if you want to. So not only vote for the island, but vote for my mates at Bloody Murder, Mall, Good Nightmare and Evidence Locker Podcast. They really need your vote. So that's australianpodcastawards.com. There's links on my Twitter and Facebook or email me, cambo at truecrimeisland.com if you have any issues. Let's get me up there shouting boom vakalanga on behalf of all you islanders. And by all you islanders, I mean all you islanders around the world. This is open to everyone. There's been a few questions. Uh, can I vote if I'm not in Australia? Yes, you can. Uh, get in there and vote. It would be so appreciated if we can all get together and win this thing. Now, when I was in Thailand, Kate and I try to find some kind of serial that we can watch together while I'm there. And I came across the Netflix show called You. Now, if you want to see how some kind of stalkers operate and how dangerous they can be, if you've got Netflix, have a look at this show. I won't do a full review at all or any review, but you will see that the stalker guy justifies all his actions on it being in the best interests of his victim. Now, this is often the case in real stalking cases. It could mean beating up the victim's ex or whatever, but essentially they become so obsessed with the victim that they get this perverted, distorted idea in their head of what the victim's life should be, and then they go about trying to make that happen. The problem is, 
They may start out wanting the best for their victim, but ultimately, when it dawns on them that they have no control or are totally rejected, the energy that was once expended in doing good, well, what they thought was good for the victim, can then turn around into trying to destroy them. So, on with the show. Now, I received a message after last week's show from one of the Islanders that told me about her horrific stalking story. I asked if I could use her story for an episode and she agreed and emailed it through to me. It started out with this first line and I think we can all relate somehow to this very first sentence. It reads, Cambo, I should have done this account years ago. Now, I could have got the author to record it or I could have used a voice actor, but that was going to be a little bit difficult. So I will read it out. I hope I can convey the emotion, okay? So let's continue. I had a normal childhood. I lived not far from the beach and my main concerns were what bikini to wear, clothes, sport, dancing, bands and cute guys. I was working and spending most of my money on enjoying my life. I had just got a loan and upgraded to a better car. I worked in a major Australian city. I travelled to work with a bunch of like-minded giggly girls on the train every day. One of the girls was involved with a guy at her work. They quickly became engaged, eventually marrying and having a family. My friend's partner was lovely, so when I was introduced to his friend, I presumed he was more of the same stuff. We hit it off, and I wasn't quite old enough to legally drink. He was a bit older, and I thought worldlier than me. This guy seemed to drink a lot, and I thought his life was exciting, going to all the city bars and staying out late. You have to remember, I was very young and inexperienced. He lived quite a long way away from me. Neither of us lived in the city. It became convenient for us to spend weekends together at our family's places due to this distance and as we both still lived at home. I knew things weren't perfect, but I thought love could change anything. What a twat. I started hearing stories about an ex-girlfriend who he wouldn't let out the door until he had inspected what she was wearing. Bells should have been ringing by then. I was so naive. Our relationship sort of became a habit and we eventually got engaged and married. I knew my family wasn't happy about the match, but I thought, I'll show them it will work. At our wedding, he was drinking heavily and I was embarrassed by his behaviour. I thought it was too late to cancel the wedding, so we married. I doubt he knew I had reservations. We were able to buy a small home, and I was happy about that. At first, he commuted to the city, but got a transfer not far from where we lived. The heavy drinking continued, and I didn't think it was cool anymore. This was it. This was my life and it was ugly. I was getting the same treatment as the previous girlfriend. He had to approve of what I wore, and I had to conform. Life revolved around him and his needs. 
He expected everything to be exactly as he wanted it. And I was so young and so unaware of what my life really was. He told me I nagged him less than his parents. It's so sad that I lapped it up. He was coming home from work drunk every day. Apparently, he drank at lunch and after work. He would tell me he was late at work and how hard he worked, like they couldn't manage without him. During the marriage, I had dropped him to his AA meetings as he had lost his license for drinking. What I didn't know was that there was no meeting and he was at the pub. He asked I pick him up at a place more convenient, supposedly for me. I should mention, I worked a second job when he attended the supposed nearby meetings. His work told him to stop drinking at the pub each lunch, so he went to the club. (laughs) I'm not going to the pub, boss, anymore. (laughs) No way. I'm wearing a shirt. I'm at the club. (laughs) Oh, God. Once he was transferred closer to home, it was easy to see through the lies. I then found out, amongst other things, he was gambling way more than we could afford and had several loans and credit cards I didn't know about that were maxed out. In the seven years of our relationship, I don't think I ever knew him as a sober person. I thought he was sober when he was always drunk. I'd given this marriage just under five years, seven years in total, and decided to leave. I still hoped leaving might shock him into getting his act together. It didn't. It got worse. I visited the home we had bought a couple of times, cooked a lovely meal and tried to make it work on his invitation. Each time, he was blind drunk. Once, I said I wasn't coming back. The threat started. It's easier to refer to the person as my stalker from now on. A friend of mine helped me get out one day when I took a part day off. The stalker lived near this person. A short while later, my same friend was in hospital the day after having her first child. Her partner came home to find a note, obviously from the stalker, saying he'd kill her and the baby as soon as they were out of hospital. They lived so close to the stalker He could see all their comings and goings. Nothing eventuated out of his death threats, although the police were advised. I moved once, and then a second time quite quickly, to a very out-of-the-way place. I was nearly tracked down once when my dog got out and some kind person returned him back to my old address, to my separated husband, the stalker. The dog was found not far from where I was living and I was scared. He had an idea where I was. The stalker had long been sacked from a highly respectable job and was unemployed due to drinking and fraud. He knew where I worked. He turned up at my work, surprise, surprise, drunk. He said he was working just up the road, I don't think he was, and would be keeping an eye on me. He said he could turn up there any time and no one could stop him. It was scare tactics. I worked with men and I yelled and they all came to my aid. He went away. Well, for now, anyway. 
Having no luck in the day, he changed tactics. I came into work one morning to a smashed glass panel in the front office door with a brick nearby. There was no other damage. My boss promptly replaced the small panel of glass with 10mm glass. Within a month, there was another break-in with a lot more damage. Another brick had been thrown at the thick glass pane and only scratched at it and bounced off. Shame it didn't clock him in the head. (laughs) So a bigger window was smashed and entry was gained to the property. There was glass everywhere and some blood as the stalker had crawled through the window. Three items were taken. Really stupid stuff and I can only remember two of them. A cane hanging three-tier basket and some plastic fruit. (laughs) What a haul. Work left their truck tucked away next to the premises and and it has been damaged with a brick and scratched along one side. Work promptly rang the police and told them who they suspected. Now the stalker's only transport was a train. He had to wait for the train to get home. The police were waiting at the station when a very drunk Carmen Miranda steps off the train with his baskets and plastic fruit. (laughs) What a dickhead. He was apprehended and charged. There were no more attacks on my workplace. I got some more of my personal belongings out of the house and I was terrified. When I went into the house, there was a note saying, that he'd put a hit out on me. I had the presence of mind to take it with me and hand it over to the police. The police were aware of him. In those days, we didn't even have a name for what was happening to me. It was viewed only as domestic violence. I mean, back then, saying only as domestic violence is quite true. Anyway, each incident was treated as a separate case. Assault, fraud, break and enter, driving without a license, damaging property, harassment. But he had to be caught in the act. Now that was very hard to do. So for now, he had threatened me and a friend. Apparently, it wasn't going to cost much to get me murdered. I kept to myself in a place I thought was safe. I didn't know he was out trawling looking for me. At first, he couldn't find me, but he knew my work movements. I'd just gone and picked up a cash payroll on my own. I got in the car and turned into the main road and stopped at the lights. Next thing, in front of at least 20 people, he's jumped onto the bonnet of my car, screaming and belting the crap out of my windscreen. Luckily, I had the car locked because of the cash. I took off and he rolled off the bonnet. But you know what? No one did anything. I was at his mercy and they all just watched on. I drove for about 10 kilometres as I was so terrified. Back to the police station again. From then on, I varied my times and had a burly co-worker with me when doing payroll. Plus, I had shown the bank a picture of my stalker. If they saw him, they'd ring me, but I always rang just before I left. 
he eventually gave up on that angle. Now remember that he's lost his license for DUI, which everyone knows, driving under the influence. He was living in the house and I had the car by agreement. I parked my car one day near work to do a message. I came back and there was no car. Friends quickly found the car, parked in behind some trees, as right as rain, but not far from his house. I advised the police and they nabbed him driving it without a licence. In those days, they didn't take your car away. He got someone to pick it up and hide it back in the same place, not knowing I knew where it was. I decided not to try and get it back, as it was much too easy to find me. So I bought a cheap, reliable car that was mine with help from my family. Funny, right after I told friends I was giving up on the car, it mysteriously had four flat tyres. Oh my God, how that happened? Being still young, and about two to three months after I left, I began to socialise. One night, a friend and I decided we would go somewhere to dance. It was the most fabulous feeling to be free. I knew he'd never venture into the kind of place we chose to go to, but he was still trawling at night and was outside that night. He was again threatening and chased me to my car. I'd changed cars so I wasn't as easy to trace. He tried to do the jump on the bonnet trick again, but I was too quick. Once again, I drove a long way before my heart went back into my body. Back to the police again. So not being able to get at me, he started harassing my mum. He'd once again rung mum for the upteenth time and she was really getting upset. A male relative had had enough. He picked up a cricket bat, jumped in his car and confronted the stalker at his house. My small frame rello went in there and although he didn't whack him with the bat, it did touch his leg. They only lived about 15 minutes away. Of course the arsehole pressed charges and my rello was charged. Given the stalker's poor reputation, it was only a fine. But it was still reported in the local papers, thankfully without naming the cricket bat owner. The papers gave a bit of a sympathetic background on the circumstances. At least he stopped hassling my family. The police had visited him, told him to cease following me and behave. But unless they caught him in the act, I was powerless. They advised me to get a restraining order. Now this is a very scary thing to do. I knew he'd be in a small parking lot on a certain day at a certain time. I have no idea how I came by this information. This is so cloak and dagger and I was absolutely petrified. I had all the legal paperwork done. I've hired a process server and I'm with him in this car park. I'm hiding behind a concrete pole and I have to identify him. I say, yeah, that's him. The process server looked like my grandfather. I hide behind the concrete pole so the stalker doesn't see me and the guy calmly serves him. I'm thinking he might need protection. The stalker just looks at him and says, I have no intention of complying with this. His next stunt was to turn up totally smashed 
at my very elderly grandparents' door in a taxi. My grandmother was once a runner for an SP bookie in a really tough city. Now, SP bookie is a starting price bookie. They used to operate out of pubs or wherever, and they were totally illegal. So it was on the horse racing. And this is real underbelly stuff. So the grandma being an SP bookie in a really tough city, yep, underbelly. Great legs, a big drinker, and she knew more swear words than anyone I knew. Anyone, probably even more than Tara Saraban. She threw some money at the taxi driver and told him to piss off to get him out of here. She conveyed her never ever darken my door again thing through the taxi driver. Thanks Nana, I wouldn't want to be on your bad side. Soon after I became seriously involved with someone else, I felt much safer as he was a big strong guy. I told him the whole story and he took me on with all that baggage. We bought a house far, far away. A place he would never find me. We had two children and I was always careful not to be in the media to protect my children. Funnily, I moved about 30 minutes from where the stalker grew up. He thought I'd never leave the beach area. We were together 20 years and are on good terms. I believe my stalker is dead. I can't really check that without leaving a trace. And I don't want to take that chance. Last reports I heard, he was found unconscious in a gutter and revived. The other was that he was drunk, smashed, whatever, and sat next to this gorgeous girl and said, Do you want a root? (laughs) I mean, that's for anyone... Not sure what that means. That's the Australian Bogan meeting call. (laughs) Do you want a root? Anyway, her boyfriend was just coming back with drinks and dragged him outside. Shit for brains. Happens when you've burnt all your brain cells. I'm not sure if the two events are related as they happened at the same pub. Do you know what's really sad? The stalker came from a lovely family who had to cope with this black sheep. The rest of the family have contributed so much as human beings. I had to cease contact with them for my safety, and I truly admired them. The end of the story is that I happily married, told the story again to my hubby who I've been with for 15 years. He's amazing. It's best to be honest. The real punchline is, I'm alive. I'm stronger, but I still have that niggling feeling now and again. No one should live in fear for their life. I hope laws have changed, but it seems far too easy to get away with stalking. So, wow, what a story. As you can see from the three stalking cases I've brought to you over the last couple of weeks, stalking comes in so many flavours. In extreme cases, the victim can end up dead But in all cases, the victim's life is forever changed. It can turn a happy, fun-loving person that's out there enjoying life into a scared, paranoid person that shuts themselves away from the world for the fear of being harassed again. Now, in the story tonight from one of our islanders, she's been able to break free from the day-to-day torment 
But still, she lives with that constant unknown that may never fully go away. It's good that she's found happiness with an amazing partner and a big boom fuckalunga cheer to you from all the islanders. So, if anyone wants to reach out and tell their story, I'm happy to provide the platform. It can be as, as, as an anonymous, I can almost say anonymous, it can be as anonymous as you like. And I can even set up a Skype call if you want. Sometimes it's good to talk and get some of these things out of your system. All the islanders that I've interacted with on Facebook or Twitter or wherever, and even with email, have been tremendously supportive of one another, like a big island family should. We're here for you. So that's about it for this week. Fucking scary account for sure. So now it's time to shout out to the new and upgrading Patreon supporters. But before that, just a reminder again. Please help the island get the popular vote award this year. But that means all hands on deck to catch and pass the two other podcasts. So if you haven't voted, please take a few minutes to register and vote at the AustralianPodcastAwards.com. We've only got a couple of weeks left until voting closes. This is your podcast as much as mine, as you, the listeners, the Islanders, are the ones that keep me going. And again, you can be anywhere in the world to vote. So for this week's Patreon shout-outs, a big shout-out to Claire S. And also hi to Jackie Leonard. Thank you all so much for your support. And thanks so much to all the present and past Patreon supporters of the island. True Crime Island is a totally listener-supported podcast. I do keep it ad-free as I know you don't like them and neither do I. If you want to support the island financially for as little as a dollar a month, you too can become a Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash truecrimeisland and check out the levels and the rewards. Alternatively, you can do a one-off donation at paypal.me forward slash truecrimeisland. Also, you can support the island by getting hold of some merch such as t-shirts, hoodies, beach towels, fantastic tote bags. But my favourite are the mugs of rage. All available from truecrimeisland.threadless.com. Now, please don't at this point order the black mugs. Uh, The white ones are much better. The black ones do need to be fixed up a little bit. I do have keychains, lapel pins, stickers and a few beer koozies left. You need to contact me directly for them. That can be done by emailing me at cambo at truecrimeisland.com. That's also the best way to contact me personally for anything else such as case requests or just to say bonfakalanga. Especially if you want me to say your story, get hold of me, cambo at truecrimeisland.com. Now, you don't have to spend money to support the island. You can also rate and review and tell your friends, family and workmates about the island And if they don't know how to tune in, show them. Search for True Crime Island on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Join the closed group on Facebook. We've got some great mods there that'll let you in. Again, don't forget to vote. That's another way to support the island. AustralianPodcastAwards.com So that's about it for the show tonight. 
lots of love to Maggie James and I'm your host Cambo you've been listening to True Crime Island and as I always say don't forget to delete your browser history good night and boom fuck along I think I just